Changing the world of work isn't about tactics. It's not about meetings or metrics. It isn't about the benefits, perks, or opportunities. It's about being brave enough to put love first. Everything rises and falls on leadership. So as leaders, we're the ones who have to make it happen. This is the Love in Action Podcast. And here's your host, Marcel Schwantes. Welcome, Love in Action Nation, to another episode where I get to have conversations with the world's thought leaders, executives, authors, and influencers about the power and impact of love. No, not the feeling. Love the verb. Love as action, which any leader can turn into competitive advantage. Now, last week, you'll recall, I got the chance to uh, talk with Claude Silver, the chief heart officer over at Vayner Media, Gary V's company. And in that conversation, we gave a shout out to today's guest, and that is Mike Vacanti. Now, Mike is spearheading a worldwide movement to make humans first, first in the workplace, in business, and in our communities. And I'm speaking, of course, of the organization that Mike founded, Humans First Club, which I am privileged to be a part of as a presenter and participant. We're going to get into what Humans First Club is and how it's changing thousands of lives all over the world. So Mike is an in-demand speaker. He is a consultant. He advises and mentors CEOs, and he can do that because uh, Mike spent about 20 years in high-level executive roles, managing these gigantic mergers and acquisitions and bringing companies together with hundreds of millions of dollars of revenues and thousands of people on global teams. Now, I'm privileged to call Mike Vacanti a friend, a mentor, and a kindred spirit. He has changed my life by getting me involved in this Humans First Club movement. And I hope that by the time you're done listening to this episode, you'll want to be a part of it too. So let's dive in. Here's my conversation with the founder of the Humans First Club, Mike Vacanti. So here I am with the one and only Mike Vacanti, who has become a really good friend of mine. So I want to welcome you to the Love in Action podcast, Mike. I'm really excited about this, Marcel. It was great to be with you this week. And now to get into this conversation, I'm just really excited. Yeah, we have a lot to cover. So let's start with a different way of starting, actually, is I'm going to go off script, give you a chance to begin this podcast the Mike Vacanti way. (laughs) How would you like to start this podcast? It is great to be with a wonderful communicator like you. I would like to start this podcast with what I believe is driving a lot of the work we're doing together in the community that's building around us with Humans First right now. And it keeps coming back to that feeling of hope, Marcel, is what's really building around and and giving me excitement and motivation is, is I'm seeing people rise up with that hope, knowing that we can create really positive change. Mm. I love that. So that's a good uh, segue into Humans First Club. So can you tell us, can you sum it up? What exactly is the Humans First Club movement? Yes, there's a lot of belief that we're at an inflection point and we can do better. And when I say better, the Humans First Club is an opportunity to have positive, constructive dialogues around 
what it is we're experiencing now in the workplace and what ideas can we share and build upon as a community and collaboratively to take positive steps forward into a future that really does value people first so we can address some of the challenges that businesses are having from a productivity and sustainability standpoint, but also the challenges we're having from you know, mental and physical challenges individually so we can face the changes we have ahead and build profitable, sustainable businesses mm. into so the future. who comes to these events that are starting to spread all over the world? Yeah, the, I think the, the unique part of the events is people from all different perspectives and, and job roles. So we've had executive business leaders. We have people that have the responsibility to lead others that are looking for ideas and guidance on, on how to create that happiness and well-being and productivity out of their, out of their people, people they work with, people that they, they manage and have responsibility for. There are some HR folks that are looking in, you know, what is new to interaction and bringing some ideas and being informed on that. And then what's really been a riot is people that have authored books and are out teaching and instructing and are in colleges teaching MBA programs. And and so it's people with unique yet proven and growing ideas and audiences. So influencers, authors, business leaders. I think that's really where the the core of that is. And then all of those that are participating with that great need of, I want to be happy or I want to do better. Yeah. Okay. So I've been part of two of them. And I got to tell you, the LA experience was different than the Chattanooga experience. So this might be a tough question to answer because I want our listeners to get an idea of what happens in, in an event. And because it's so organic but it's not like your typical event where you show up to hear a speaker talk or a panel of experts speak, and then you take in information, you go home. Right. <laughs> so yeah. what happens in a Humans First Club event? Well, we don't have a grab bag at the end, so that, that makes it different right from the beginning. <laughs> it's interesting you say that each event was uniquely different. Uh, or was unique, and each one was a different experience. And and that is on purpose. Each city we've collected, a, we've brought together a, a unique group of speakers. Those of us participating have different perspectives and different experiences. And so what we're infusing into the group for the dialogue is different from city to city. And then certainly the audience, based on geography or business orientation or makeup of the group is going to be different. And it's very intentional not to go in with the scripts of learn this, test this, get your certification, take your grab bag and, and go home and, and hopefully be able to apply some of that. It is more about drawing out the true emotional experiences that people are having and the shares that take place, because when you create that environment that feels safe, then all of a sudden people become very brave with opening up their experiences. And 
you know, we experienced in, in LA with some of the, the stories that surprised us, even surprised, I think, the people that were telling them that they actually came out with that and shared that with the group and wanted that feedback. In Chattanooga, I think it was, it was amazing how deep it went, where the facilitation of the open dialogue, which is more than half of the event or nearly half of the event, just depending on how the timeframes run, because we want everybody to have the experience that's present in the room at that time, not follow an orchestrated path. I'm crazy enough to try an experiment like that each different time. But just to hold the space for people to have the dialogue that feels most natural at the moment brings out, it strips away the expectations. It brings out the true brilliance of people. And like we experienced in Chattanooga, Marcel, when they, the, the, the group of attendees started passing the microphone around and facilitating their own dialogue as we were just maybe in, injecting an idea here and there. It was fascinating. It was brilliant. I want more of that. So it's intentional just to, can we create a space where real, stripped away, unshielded, unmasked dialogue can take place, where people really do connect, relationships get built out of those exchanges, and the movement then becomes part of what they do in their lives rather than thrown back in our hands to walk away with and do it somewhere else. Yeah. One of the participants, in fact, so resonated with me, what she said, uh, uh, and I believe her name was Debbie. Shout out to Debbie, who hosts a uh, radio program here. We, we'll call her the redhead. You remember her? Yes. Yeah. And she said something to the effect of how uh, this validated how she can bring her full humanity, her whole self to work. She calls herself a type A. And maybe she's a little bit abrasive at times at work, but this validated for her that she doesn't have to put on a mask to be to someone uh, who she's not to herself. So she came to me and I, I whispered in her ear, I said, you were the highlight of the evening for me because I learned something from a participant, right. which makes this a unique experience. Everyone is learning for everyone else, depending on who's got the mic at the time. Yes, it's amazing to hear the different approaches, isn't it? In that case, I certainly do agree that the empowerment she felt to stay true to herself and not play the role she was being asked to play, that that empowerment and the strength she felt is definitely a highlight. Mm -hmm. And then others that were taking action in their workplace or building programs that they're putting into their companies or building apps to support a market and a belief. And to, to have all of those perspectives just brings so much depth to the conversation. So we get the altitude, right? People that from a, a, a high perspective saying, you know, what does the big picture look like? And then we have all of that depth of of experience and so now we get dimension and you know we get the altitude and the and the breadth and the depth of the whole thing and it it's brilliant do you realize that we had people from 12 different states in chattanooga on wednesday that's amazing really that amazed me that 12 different states people came from all over from planes and and cars and 
How much fun is that? Yeah, and uh, a lot of diversity and thoughts and ideas. I'll, I'll bring everybody, but everybody aligned with the same mind and hearts, if you will. Yes. How to create change and how to be more, how to make humans first. There's your title. There's yes. your organization right there. So I want to, a lot of, lot of business people on the podcast. So if you're uh, listening and thinking that, you know, this is just a, another feel good, touchy feely, fuzzy, let's get together and hold hands and sing Kumbaya. This is not it. So for the business person listening, Mike, what are the business benefits driving this movement? Yes, I mean, my, my business experience, Marcel, and, you know, 20 years of really leading organizations through complex business in mergers and acquisitions with hundreds of millions of dollars of, of revenue responsibility through those, through those businesses, thousands of people on those teams that were from, you know, they're global teams. So there's a lot of complexity in the business. There are a lot of dynamics on how people work together and, and how you integrate all those teams and cultures. So what I learned is given the opportunity, people will amaze you. If we really want to deliver stakeholder growth and stakeholder value, then we will deliver more of it by not controlling it so tightly. By putting in a lot of the process and operation and controls we feel are there to drive business results, we're actually creating barriers to things that would happen naturally if we empowered people to deliver. That's why I say, given the opportunity, people will amaze you. And I think it was interesting. We even heard a great uh, share during our event on Wednesday, Marcel, right? If you remember a conversation that um, was being had, I think it was Bob Chapman. No, it wasn't. It was, it was Gary Ridge with WD-40. And he had said, had I only known that, I mean, I kept asking people to, you know, bring the best of their work to, I kept asking for their hands. Had I only known that that they would have generously offered their hearts and their hands, if I would have just asked. And I think that really does sum up what this is, is if we allow people to see where we're going, there's transparency where they can attach their beliefs to the company beliefs that what they will contribute will far exceed what we could demand that they contribute. Let's jump into leadership, Mike. And, you know, so you got the title Humans First Club. I want to ask you from a leadership standpoint, well, how do you make humans first in the workplace? It gets really tricky, right? Because we're, we're not really taught to look at the core of who our people are we're taught to look at the other measures of those people. What are they capable of from a statistical standpoint? What brand company had they come from previously that would give us an indication of those experiences? What brand of college so we get an idea of what their education might look like? And, and so we, we measure their performance and their output, their statistics, if you will, But we don't look at what drives that person. What are their true values? How are they influencing other people around them? What type of energy do they show up with during the day? How much smile do they share 
to lift the energy of other people. And so from a leadership standpoint, I think, Marcel, one of the most important things we can do is to choose what we stop doing first. The most important adjustment we can make to create a, a higher value, a more productive future is to make the decision what we stop doing is probably more important than what we do next. Taking away the the historic processes that may actually be barriers to high achievement. And it's that not adding more to the bucket, but making sure we have the right things in the bucket. Mm. So one of those barriers is fear. Why do you think, Mike, people lead by fear in the workplace instead of care and belonging and love? Well, I will say that it has been historic. And so I think there's a lot of assumed memory that this is the condition that I experienced and it seemed to work because I've now risen to a level of authority. And so why would I change that? It works for me. It seems to be the path to leadership and achievement or getting to that level in the company where I have authority. So it suited me. Therefore, I believe in teaching that. The other thing is there's not much incentive to let go of it. So if I climbed over 100 people with disregard to get to where I am and I'm carrying my pride and my ego into that position, I'm going to protect it. And to protect that, I'm going to cast fear So you can't come and challenge me on my position and my authority. The other piece to that, this is my own belief to this as well, is I just think it's easier. I actually think it's laziness to just (laughs) throw fear out there. You get to detract. You can deflect questions. You don't have to answer. And you don't have to ever become vulnerable and be exposed for maybe your own insecurities. Or maybe that feeling of imposter syndrome that that you're experiencing in that position you're in. In that sense, I think it's actually really lazy. And I think it's a wall that people hide behind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I tend to believe that. And I think that I've read enough research on this that um, not enough leaders are being placed in influential roles to be able to, to lead people in, in, in a human's first sense. And so what I'm seeing is that individual contributors are being promoted to leadership roles for all the wrong reasons, whether it is that they're, you know, they're being rewarded on popularity or performance or seniority. What happens is these individual contributors don't have the intangibles to lead human beings the way the human beings are wired and designed at the core of their being. Is there any truth to that? I think you may have just answered it better than I did, Marcel. I think that when we look at the selection process of who goes into roles of responsibility, or we could term leaders, are ill-equipped for that. So who gets promoted into that role of influence, um, I think, becomes very foundational to the leadership crisis I believe we're experiencing right now. And that selection process, I think you nailed it. Those that assimilate best to the environment they're in are the ones that will rise the fastest in that environment. And the detractors 
will fall short of, you know, hitting those levels of responsibility and growth and promotion. I think we have the selection criteria off a little bit. Mm. And I think that's a great point that you're making. Mm. When we recognize who the true influencers of human behavior are, the leaders, and we empower those people to be in positions of authority and influence in the company, then that naturally starts to change. Yeah. So I want to talk about leadership trust. And you're very vocal about this word trust and that we don't just <laughs> arrive at trust. There is a journey to trust. Let's unpack that. Why are you so vocal about trust? Perhaps it is my aversion to commoditizing something so valuable. I truly believe that trust is a phenomenal outcome of human relationships, and therefore it becomes experienced along with company promises. Trust can then be an outcome of your brand promise. And along the way, too often that is broken. And because there's a belief in the value of trust, people try to put that first and say, well, first, let's just build trust. And that becomes sales. That becomes a positioning statement. And, and you lose the true value of a trusted relationship. You know, like I've said, it, you know, trust is really, really important to a relationship, right? But even for a polygamist, that's a small business. It doesn't scale when you're saying that has to be existing at a level before you start to do anything else. And so we talk about building trust. I don't know what those construction materials are. I think we spend too much time trying to put that house of cards together because trust is something that is experienced. It's emotional. It's fluid. And it's a phenomenal outcome that I, I want to actually hold in its with the reverence it deserves and not push it to the beginning of, you know, trust me from the beginning, I seem to be a good person or trust me because I'm promising you can have trust here. I think I just put it in too high regard, perhaps. Mm. It's a brilliant outcome. It's a horrible objective. Let's leave it just like that. I like that. I like that. That sits well. Mike, I want to transition to some fun questions. Fun questions about Mike, the person. So this is going to be kind of a speed round. And so, you know, just go with the flow and shout it out. And if you don't, you know, if you can't come up with anything, that's fine too. You can just make something up if you want. So here we go. Ready? I am. All right. What book are you reading right now that you'd recommend? Oh boy. I am rereading Kimberly Davis's book, Brave Leadership. It's my second go around in six months, but that's the way I read books is I read through them once and then I go back and dive in. I kind of consume them like meals in the beginning, take those first nutrients out. And if I like the meal, I go back and have it again. <laughs> so that's the one that's in my hand right now. You want to give a shout out to Kimberly Davis? Hello, Kimberly. I can't wait to see you in Charlotte in May. For listeners, Kimberly Davis is one of our esteemed panel members at the Humans First Club. And uh, she was at which event? She was in Dallas. And She's so much fun in a room, Marcel. The, the energy that Kimberly brings into a room, she just lights it up. She's 
She's a wonderful person, very fun to be around and certainly brings her brave. She lives very authentically and gives us all permission to do so. Awesome. What's the book that you know you should read, but just haven't gotten around to it yet? I'm actually going back into the 15th century and pulling up some more works from Goethe that I maybe didn't go through as deeply as I should. And some of those ideals, which I think is back to the last time we had a renaissance that we might be experiencing now, to go back and go deeper into that. So that's where my arrow is going to point next. Favorite movie of all time? It's got to be The Matrix. And I always struggle with that question. So I decided if I ever get asked that again, I have to land on on the one. But it's either the craziest or the most prophetic sci-fi movie out there. (laughs) I like that series, starting with the first one. And I think if you watch it all as one movie, it'd be a great movie. Pick any actor at any stage of your life. If a movie was made about you, who would you want to star in your role? I think... Denzel Washington is probably as as good as we could get. So um, I apologize to him for asking him to step into this craziness, but um, (laughs) I think he does brilliant work. So he could maybe carry that. Okay. Who is your biggest hero? Yeah. Hmm. You know, from a guy that I didn't really have any mentors along the way, Marcel, which is a really goofy path into this. And I, and I think, And I'm talking through my aversion to answering the questions in a speed round. So I'm going to apologize to you for a second. (laughs) Isn't it funny that that would be such a tough question to ask? Why is it so tough? I don't know that anybody stands out so highly that made such an impact. People that created great change that did it with a soul worthy of a hero. Mm. with integrity that we could only aspire to. And I'm just going to put the people that I get to engage with each day that step up with the heart to lift others. um, I'm going to make it a group hero. Okay. Okay. This may or may not be the same group hero, but if you could sit down and have dinner with anybody right now, whether they're living or not, who would that be? I think it's Bill Gates. I think I would like to sit down and have dinner with Bill Gates. If he happened to be off on one of his great journeys that he's on now, raising education around the world, I I would ask him to perhaps have Warren Buffett sit in for him. (laughs) (laughs) He's a great mentor of his, of course. (laughs) They approach all of this very differently. And it feels aligned to human potential and growth that is not at the expense of everyone else. So I believe each of them approach the world as value creators rather than value extractors. And I admire that. Mm. Mike, what's at the top of your bucket list? So I am going to jump out of a plane. Now that my five children are all adults, my wife has given me the green light to jump out of that plane. I wouldn't say that's so much on my bucket list, but I've started to experience more places in the world. And each time I go into a new country, a new culture, I feel like I grow. And so my bucket list is to be able to continue those experiences, hopefully 
at least twice a year to be in another country and keep learning and growing from other cultures. Mm. So my last question on this speed round, if you weren't doing what you're doing now, speaking and consulting and spearheading this whole Humans First Club movement that's spreading around the world, what would Mike Vacanti be doing? (laughs) It might be the craziest answer I'll ever give to any question is, I think I would be teaching. There's universities across the country now that just lock their doors in case I walk by because I don't know that I would be invited in to do that. But I love watching people explore and open up on ideas. And I think a lot of that was from the youth coaching that I did for youth hockey and other sports that I saw that happen. I think it's the teaching and coaching I got to do along the way in my business experiences that I I just find joy in that. It's that point of discovery and the aha or being able to reach into another person's journey and help them accelerate just seems like a really cool thing. And I know that's kind of idealistic for teaching, but I believe that they get the chance to do that every day. And it seems like that would be a phenomenal thing. That's great, Mike. So you are off the hot seat of the speed round. (laughs) I want to wrap this conversation up with a couple of questions, but uh, we're going to kind of dig into your heart a little bit here. Mike, personally, if what's really tugging at your heart right now that, that you would want our listeners to know? Putting myself in a position of the unknown in starting this journey of the Humans First Club, just answering the call saying yes, going city to city to kind of serve the demand, if you will, and have these conversations. I didn't envision the number of people that would step forward and request and want to participate and want to host and do this in their cities. The energy, the demand has truly moved me that There's an opportunity to not only heal some of the pain that people are feeling in the current condition, but really build and inform opportunity and growth with such in such a positive framework, with really hope driving all of that, knowing from a business standpoint that it's a better performance outcome if we do it. And so it's on my heart is to be available present and of service to that demand and to work with others the best of my ability to make that happen because it's becoming much larger than any one of us. It's even greater than probably the whole of us. And man, that feels good. Yeah. 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 That resonates with me too. Mike, I want to, just like we started the podcast, I want to give you a chance to end the podcast and maybe maybe do a mic drop moment if you want and bring this conversation home your way. What's the one thing you'd like people to absolutely walk away with? I believe we're at an inflection point in business, in community, in society, really. And even maybe in our families, our homes, and our schools. But I do believe we have the opportunity to be more thoughtful and conscientious of how we operate every day that we've brilliantly performed against the norms that we feel are impressed upon us 
And what I would like to encourage is we all have the ability for deep thinking, for higher consciousness, and the opportunity to go create positive change in at least one other person, perhaps in our households, perhaps in our schools, certainly in our communities, I think in our companies that there's empowerment available. And to get that going, we have to consciously pause and choose what we stop believing, get rid of those limiting beliefs. We have to choose what we stop doing so we can start filling those gaps with the things we know are important, that we know we could be doing that would be better. And with those beliefs, we know will enhance how we live our life and enhance the interaction, the relationships we have with others. That's my great hope. What we stop doing is more important than what we do next. Be thoughtful, be caring, and know that you're part of something bigger than yourself. Boom. We'll stop right there. And it is always an honor to talk to you. You're a good friend. And I want to just thank you for spending the time that you did. I reach out and give you a big hug, Marcel, because you have been an incredibly important part of this journey. And I love the opportunity to envision with you and others how we continue to move this forward with many lenses so it appeals to many people. And we're able to to help in the way that we're being asked to help rather than a way we believe we should prescriptively apply to them. Mm -hmm. And you have that openness and that brilliance and Thank you for inviting me in and being on this journey. Well, thank you. It's a mutual admiration society here because I, I am in deep gratitude to you for inviting me to be part of this movement that's literally changing the lives of thousands of people right now. So thank you, sir. We're having some fun. Yes, we are. All right. So if people want to know more about Humans First Club or if they want to connect with you, Mike, where do they go? Yes, please. The website is humansfirst.club. My business website is mjvacanti.com. I am available on social media, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and open to be contacted there as well. Mm. He is Mike Vacanti, founder of the Humans First Club. Don't go away. When I come back, I will give you my three takeaways and a final thought which I will share after this short message. There's a dramatic shift taking place in workplaces around the world. It's a rapidly growing movement called the Humans First Club. Change is happening bigger and faster than any time in history. For business to flourish through this dynamic time, it's time to trash the old school command and control mindset and put people at the center of business. It's time to put humans first. Live events with a growing online community is driving change throughout the globe. It's time for your voice, your ideas for a brighter future. Join us now at humansfirst.club. That's humansfirst.club. Your time has come. You belong here. So as I always do, I have three takeaways from today's conversation with Mike Vacanti. Now, my first takeaway is this. By putting in more process, more control in, in how 
how your business operates and to drive business results, we're actually creating barriers to another process, the way that people are naturally wired to do work. So if we empowered people to deliver, if we allowed people to see where they're going by becoming more transparent, and if we allowed people to align their beliefs and values to the company's beliefs and values, it would far exceed what we as managers demand that they contribute, says Mike. So given the opportunity, he says, people will amaze you if we let them. Now, my second takeaway is really tied to the first. Mike said, and I quote, the most important adjustment we can make to create a more productive future is to make the decision to take away the processes that are barriers to high achievement. He says, not adding more to the bucket, but making sure we have the right things in the bucket. And my last takeaway is this. Take a look at who you are choosing in the roles of leadership for your organization. Mike says this, who gets promoted into roles of influence becomes very foundational to the leadership crisis we are experiencing. Because here's what happens. For so many organizations, they have the selection criteria off. They're promoting the wrong people into leadership roles and and wrongly assuming that the criteria for moving people up the chain is based on things like performance or charisma or confidence or knowledge or expertise. And it's not. It's your capacity to lead and inspire and engage and motivate other human beings the way that they were designed. So I want to thank you for joining us. And please don't forget, if you liked this episode, you're going to love previous conversations I've had with Ken Blanchard, Howard Behar, Richard Sheridan, Bob Chapman, and Claude Silver. And you can find them all online at leadershipfromthecore.com and click on the Love in Action podcast, or just subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify. I want to thank Mike Vacanti for contributing to the Love in Action discussion. So on behalf of my great team at One Stone Creative, who make each and every podcast happen, thank you, ladies. I'm Marcel Schwantes. See you next time. Thanks for joining us on the Love in Action podcast. If you enjoyed this show and want to help get the word out, make sure to subscribe and leave a review.